man of will breaks all boundaries. As above, so below. Do what thy wilt shall be the whole of the law. Something divine truly does exist. You're listening to the Culture Shock Podcast with your host, Dave Escuro. Welcome, everyone, to the inaugural episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. My name is Dave, and I will be hosting this live panel where we discuss life, society, art, and whatever else comes our way uh, from different perspectives. And as the name would indicate, some of those perspectives may include uh, esoteric study, belief, uh, philosophies, or practices. Basically, we're letting you guys into a live meeting of the Illuminati. So welcome. <laughs> I'd like to introduce our panels for today. Chris from the Regrettable Century. What's up? I have a dating coach and tarot reader, Christine Phelan. Hi. And a co-host of the Coffins of Coffee podcast and frequent collaborator with the Grindhouse podcast and also my wife, Ophelia. <laughs> Hello. This year in particular has been a very, a very complicated year for a lot of people. So I thought it would be really interesting to just start off with, how did we get here? And where are we? <laughs> what even is this? <laughs> Well, I mean, how did I get here? I just basically didn't really have any choice. This all just happened to me. So, <laughs> isn't, isn't that really <laughs> for all of us how we've sort of? I mean, this year we just yeeted into twenty twenty. Yeah, this year has. I mean, I feel like twenty twenty has been beyond anything else a revelation, um, a revelation on the failures of our society, especially here in America, um, and how fragile and how much of a ho- house of cards the structures and the temples of our society is because a few months being asked to somewhat stay at home has really induced a mania into most people that has been ignited since at least March, if not a little bit before then. So essentially what you're asking is how did we fuck ourselves so badly? Well, I have the answer to that. That's capitalism, but (laughs) but. specifically the, this late, capitalist sort of neoliberal form that has been you know held sway for the past 40 years and just the complete evisceration of all of our our social safety nets and like uh infrastructure and just ability for us to have any kind of coordinated response to something like covid it's all gone you know sure yeah yeah when when did it last even exist Uh, i mean it's it started being started with Jimmy Carter, like the, the neoliberal project in, in, the, uh, in the United States anyway. started with Margaret Thatcher in the UK and, you know, it filtered out into the Commonwealth, you know, from there. So I would say, you know, late 70s, really. Uh, and that's when it started, but like I would say it was really ramped up by Reagan and then ramped up even further by Bill Clinton. And then he, the process of continuing the project has been a bipartisan thing through George Bush, George H.W., and Obama, you know? But what I find interesting is that when we think of um, traditionally the, the, the left, right, liberal politics, it really was a period of time that only existed for about 30 years. Well, from the, 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 new, the New Deal left, really, like New Deal liberalism, yeah. yeah. From, it, you know, from the 30s to the 70s, yeah. Maybe 40 years if we're, if yeah. we're being generous. Yeah, that kind of the, – the, a liberalism that was scared that if it wasn't um, 
if it didn't produce some sort of nanny state, some sort of like social safety net, some kind of promise that that we'd be there to catch you when you fell, then everyone might turn communist. And then once once they pretty much had that communism threat tamped down, they didn't need that anymore, so they got rid of it. Basically, it was I read somewhere they referred to uh, neoliberalism as capitalism without a human face. Stop pretending. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's accurate, and I find it you know one of the things obviously, as we note for the name of this podcast that we're talking about a little bit is the rise of, you know, in this modern era, if we're looking at today's day as a time when the safety nets that we grew up with expecting have completely been er eroded and, and only a facet of them exists in, in really only what amounts to is platitudes and, and very empty uh, performatory actions the last, the last time there was a major rise in occultist practicing, I feel like came around the 50s leading into the 60s, right? You know, sort of as a, as a, a response to 50s conservatism and McCarthyism, you had a lot of the beat poets and the beat generation sort of dabbling with... Uh, psychedelics and Eastern philosophies. And you saw that big movement towards looking towards India in particular as, as sort of a, a way to find spiritual substance that wasn't being provided in America and in America conservatism. It feels like we're back to that point in some ways. It feels like we're on that edge between coming out of the fifties and into the sixties, but now a year after COVID and four years of Trump, it feels like we're, we're leading in that same direction, that that cycle is spinning once again. I would agree. Um, I think that like uh, we all live incredibly empty lives with very little community. And we do, we have, you know, we, we've got our groups of friends and we have a small little community there. <clears throat> but the things that tie us to something bigger than us are non-existent now. <clears throat> Excuse me. We live very atomized lives and um, nothing really has any meaning outside of um, the sort of very superficial meaning that we put on things like, I don't know, like we, we get, we find meaning in careers. We find meaning in, you know, having a family and raising kids, meaning in relationships. But other than that, you know, there's something that has always been there with us from the beginning of, you know, human history that doesn't exist anymore. Not really. Like right. even if you belong to a church or something, your church is a collection of atomized individuals. It's not like it used to be like, um, where it was a, a very small, tight-knit community and everyone helped each other out. And that, that exists to a, um, to a certain extent. I'm not going to say that that doesn't exist, but, you know, I, we've seen the decline of, like, of church-going, of, you know, uh, fraternal lodges like the Moose Lodge, the Freemasons, stuff like that, um, you know, the, the, the Lions Club, anything like that. All of these different sort of community organizations that we used to have, they're not there anymore. Right. And everything is very empty and atomized. And I think that turning to spiritual beliefs or trying to find some sort of spiritual practice is something that a lot of people are reaching out for, which explains why a lot of people are going into the Catholic church. Like young people are going into the Catholic church at the same time. A lot of young people are turning to like Norse paganism and, you know, uh, 
other kinds of neo-paganisms and stuff like that. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the, the idea of communities and, and how they only really exist on the, on the smallest scale. You know, Christine, you, you work in a realm of, um, you know, relationships and dating and, and interacting. And, and so much of that obviously has been eradicated because of COVID. I mean, not that anyone's following it in America, but, but in theory, <laughs> at least, what this, what this pandemic has done is forced us further into isolation wherein the ability for us to even hold on to our small sex of community has been relegated to what we're doing now, right? Being on a Zoom. Um, yeah. yeah. Everything is digitized. So, like, from your perspective, as, as you deal with people and as you, you put your writings out, like, how has, how has that deteriorated? Like, what is the relationships between each other even like these days? Um, I mean, I would say, from my perspective, they seem to be pretty – uh, everything is pretty strained. Uh, a lot of relationships are pretty strained. And, but at the same time, I feel like we're um, remembering the value of just simple human connection. And um, Chris was saying a few things that reminded me that um, I've been thinking a lot lately about how um, just in general, uh, the last, you know, I mean, few hundred years we've been blessed with like the evolution of science and government and we have access to uh, almost everything that we could imagine all these comforts and a lot of people in that evolution looked back um at you know more spiritually minded belief systems and communities and kind of looked down on on them and, and just were like oh they just thought that way because you know they didn't have all this <laughs> you know they were just like grasping for things and now you know so we kind of like moved away from that but now like after everything that's happened and being forced to like kind of we've all been forced into this kind of collective dark night of the soul where we are forced to like think about what matters we're realizing like actually something is still missing like we still even in this, like, you know, our shutdowns and lockdowns, we still have access to all these comforts, but, like, something's still missing. And I think it's, like, that spiritual connection. And a big part of that, though, is our connection to other people and relationships. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's well, part I, of my perspective. <laughs> yeah, I think I, think I, I refer to it in, in Trinity as the great, the great lie. Mm -hmm. You know, which is the, that over the last 60, 70 years, there's been this promise that this ever-evolving technology and materialism and consumerism, and I don't want to sound like someone who doesn't believe in science, because I certainly do, but this idea that science has given us every answer that we needed, and I think often science is conflated with technology, and this idea that technology has provided all of the comforts and needs of the human soul I think what we find ourselves is at a place where we've been deceived that these things, while, you know, at face value might provide us um, easy. I mean, my wife and I spent most of our relationship to date apart across the world mm. and would not have been able to maintain a relationship if not for technology. So I'm not anti-technology either, but what I do mm. think is, you know, Zoom didn't provide me comfort, right? It didn't provide me love it provided me easy access to a real human being on the other end of this technology who was able to provide those things. And I think that 
what we see when you say to people stay home for a little while is that these these devices these these technological wonders that were provided to us and that we've evolved to be able to create hasn't actually provided what it was selling not in a meaningful mm-hmm. way and in fact has arguably made things worse you know we're we're far more far more disconnected from one another in many ways we're far more disconnected from nature as cities and metropolises grow and you have an entire society of people who are very much empty vessels on a spiritual from a spiritual side yeah yeah definitely i agree and i think that um i mean i'm hoping i'm really hoping that this is going to help people remember how valuable community is so that when we are released back into the wild, we can, I mean, hopefully create stronger communities. And I mean, uh, we're going to get into that later, I'm sure, but. I'm very much a hermit. So being released in the wild to me is the same as being kept at home. (laughs) So you guys familiar with what a cargo cult is? No, is it like a? Is it like when in the '90s when everyone was wearing those cargo pants and they were like dancing with Madonna to Gap videos and that things was like that? Definitely a cult. <laughs> so, so cargo cults are like um, when, say, you know, native tribal communities that haven't had much uh, interaction with, you know, advanced societies, um, they come across something from those societies. Like it happened a lot in World War II in the South Pacific and you know, like in Micronesia and places like that, where they would uh, come across things from, you know, from other societies, like maybe a downed plane or something, or maybe uh, something like that. Or like uh, you would, they would come across some soldiers and the soldiers would give them things, you know, and so they would have these things that are totally out of, out of place in their societies. And like they would develop a cult around the the like you know the planes that would fly over and drop parachuted items mm. to the to the soldiers and they began to, to like worship them and perform rituals uh, so that these the technology would give them things that they needed so i often you know refer to a modern secular society as a kind of cargo cult like there's no like there's no real it's like a, a secular cargo cult sure there's yeah. you know we have this faith in science that is going to give us the technology that we need to save us. And we don't understand it. Science is out there. It's just like, well, I believe in science. Like people say that they believe in science the way that like an evangelical Christian would say that I believe in God. It's like, I don't understand anything about it. I don't know what any of these words in the Bible mean, but the preacher on the over here told me, that this is the way it is. And so I believe him. That's like, that's most people's relationship to science as well. They don't, sure. they don't read scientific journals. They don't understand science. They just believe in science. So it's sort of like this irrational worship of technology is, and with the, with the belief that it's going to save us. Right. And I think that like, if you look at who, in whose hands techno- technology is, it's the worst people in the world. Literal Lex Luthers. <laughs> like literally, Elon <laughs> Musk is like a Lex Luthor type figure. No, it's like the rich peoples and the corporations that they, that they run are the people who are in charge of technology. They're going to use technology to, to get a profit. And if, they, if it's profitable somehow to save us, then they might do it. 
but then they might just hold off long enough so that it's not possible anymore. So I think it's just like, it's one of the most destructive and irrational belief systems is this belief in progress and in technology. It's like Steven Pinker is a person who pretty much represents this ideology to me. He's like, oh, the arc of history tends towards justice. Um, Everything is getting better. Way fewer people die now than did 100 years ago. Uh, But we're on the the edge of a looming climate collapse and, and this unfettered just accumulation and rapid advancement of technology is what's gotten us here. I'm not against technology. I'm not against advancement. I'm against doing it for the sake of profit. And that's what people like that don't take into consideration. Part of the problem here is, is that everything in the world, all of its component parts is seen as just disembodied lifeless things that we can destroy and turn into money. Right. Well, you talk about like a, an a ecological collapse. So it's, there's an existential collapse happening right now. Yeah. And you know, obviously, to this point, we're, we're very much talking from an American perspective. Each of us lives in America. Um, oh, yeah, but we're going to destroy the world for everyone. <laughs> well, I want to talk Yay. to someone who just got here <laughs> and, and, and who probably came from a land that's on its way to where we're at, but isn't quite there yet. And that's uh, Ophelia coming from Australia. So <laughs> from your perspective as to, I mean, for us, for the other three of us, our, where we're at, is far more extreme than where you were at just a few weeks ago, a couple months ago. It's like the opposite of where I was <laughs> a few weeks ago. Like we're talking Australia hasn't had a COVID case in a week. Like at all. At all. How many do we have today? I'm sure you checked. Uh, we had over 13,000 in Los Angeles today. Oh, good. Um, God. Good yeah. job. I wonder how many we had in Texas. Let me look. Yeah. It was fu- it's funny actually because I, believe that they said oh we're going to do a new stay at home order when cases reach over four and a half thousand a day um but now the stay at home <laughs> order isn't as well we had one um, we have a new order uh you can't walk but you can go to the mall and you can't take public transport to go to work but you can go to hike and bike trails so clearly they're doing plenty to get this thing under control but you can take public transport to work it's very convoluted and makes weird no sense. but um you know and you know, what Chris was saying before about um, people blindly following science, I'm finding that a lot of Americans, present company excluded, are completely the opposite as well. It's like have a blind disregard for science. I don't believe science because reasons. Right. Like I watched a video the other day where a woman, and I shit you not, she was wearing a Trump hat, that should tell you all you need to know. But she said, I don't have the vibrational frequency to contact COVID. Oh, that's, uh, well, that's good. That's, um, just, change, uh, just change a radio station and we'll be fine. Yeah. It's like people saying, oh, I don't know how they pumped out a vaccine so quickly. It's like it was already three quarters of the way done with the SARS vaccine. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, well, it's interesting. I was listening to another podcast, Occultism with a Side of Salt. Shout out to them. They're a great podcast. Go listen to them. And they were talking on a a previous episode about scientism. Have you guys heard that term before? Yeah. Yes. It's this idea that science (laughs) is an ism. That's a a belief. When science has has been sort of filtered through this idea that it's a belief system. And then if it's a belief system, you can believe it in whatever facet 
you deem appropriate for yourself, right? So you can either disregard it completely or you can believe it in stages or you can believe what's convenient to you uh, in the same way that people view spirituality or religion or um, even philosophies for that matter. And this this is sort of a marriage of both, about what both you and Chris are saying is that for those who are hardcore pro-science folks and for those who are anti-science folks and everywhere in between, somewhere along the line, and I do think this is relative to where we're at today, science became a belief instead of a tool. Would you guys <laughs> say that that's accurate? Yeah. Yes. And, and I think that that ties part and parcel with the fact that, again, for the last at least – I mean, really, at least since the collapse of the 60s, you know, there was this hardcore push towards technology, which is tied in with materialism. And somewhere along the line, I think that we we stopped looking at science as a thing of wonderment, and it just became another tool for creating widgets. I think as a human species, if we're talking evolution, we're de-evolving, if anything. Like, idiocracy is a documentary. Like if, people are getting more and more stupid and that's the problem with with the internet is you're giving silly people a voice where it should be a technological tool that people use for education. Like like I'm sure we all do look up things you don't know things, you look it up on the internet, find scholarly articles, things like that, but you've got people that use the internet for stupid shit like flat earth stuff and <laughs> spreading misinformation and then other people see that information and think it's fact it's on the internet it must be true right so yeah vaccines are (laughs) farmed from baby paste or whatever it is well well, i think i think what you have i i I look back at you know the medieval times the middle ages or the dark ages right it was a time when information and chris you're the historian so feel free to correct me you know i'm about to Okay. You said, you said dark ages. I'm already getting ready to correct. Okay. Cover that. But there's a point for me calling it that because it, it, it's, it's referred to as a time when the classical, classical education was not as widespread as it had been in yeah. previous times. And, and I feel like what we're living is equally as bad in many regards, which is we're living in the light ages. There's this overabundance like a blinding light of information available readily at our fingertips, but there's no, there's no um, filtration as to what's has credibility or anyone on, on Twitter will can and will have an equal voice to those that, you know, you know post a, a scholarly, well-researched peer reviewed study, you know, someone makes a YouTube and we've seen this tons, right? Especially at the top of this pandemic, Someone makes a YouTube video with some eerie music and some, <laughs> you know, gotcha, you know, quick snippets of someone's conversation out of context. And all of a sudden you've got the pandemic, you know, you've got all this, this misinformation being spread. And then <laughs> you have documentaries coming out like The Social Dilemma that highlight how these, these search engines are filtering based on a aggregated based on aggregated data of what common searches are. So, you know, you living in Georgia and typing um, COVID and I'm just picking Georgia because I was recently there and versus me typing in COVID in, in Los Angeles, they're going to bring up different search items depending on region. And so, yes, 
uh, I don't know if people are inherently getting dumber, like in, in the method of like the, the less smart, although the edu educational system is lacking, certainly in America. I just think that there's, you're bombarded on all sides by, by misinformation and um, cherry picked information and, and everything has an agenda that it's very, very difficult if you have the mindset to do so, which many don't even have the luxury of being brought up that way, um, to find unbiased information to, to form your opinion. It's so funny that you're saying this because I was just talking to a friend yesterday about how, like, whether it's, like, high school or, like, elementary school, they need to start, like, giving classes on fake news, you know, because that alone would help, you know, kids, teenagers, and obviously beyond, you know, just yeah. get to the truth and not, you know, grow up with all these false ideas, but it's, yeah, it's complicated. Well, and I think, I think we're living in a time where there's a, a lot of distrust of the things, again, the pillars of things we used to, or at least, at least we, were, we grew up with the idea that we should trust, right? Like we believe the news, North, East, West, and South, right? Impartial, unbalanced. These are the facts, ma'am. That doesn't exist. And maybe it never truly existed, but it definitely does not exist now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, it's, and, and I'm, I'm about to get to politicians and there's a weird thing there too, because it's, it's sort of become another ism in itself, right? Especially in America, um, the political theater has its own ism, right? It's like when I was growing up, everyone knew politicians lied, right? It didn't matter if you were Republican, liberal. They're all the bad guy. Yeah, they're all a bunch of scumbags, right? And somewhere, Chris, and feel free to speak to this, like at some point there seemed to be this shift where tribalism reached a fever pitch and, and what you've, you've started really elevating these, this American royalty to um, cult-like status. I would say that to a certain extent, that's probably true. There was this, the, the Gen X, like trust nobody in power kind of like uh, attitude that was very superficial though. Like mm -hmm. it, it was, it was very, it was like a hip affectation essentially. It was like, well, I don't trust politicians. They're all crooks, but then they would still vote along party lines. Right. 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 Um, and it, I think that what's changed is the, the rhetoric that we use to talk about politics now. Now it's like ever since Bush, it's been, this is literally about to be fascism. This is literally fascism as opposed to this is literally communism. And that's, that's how things are seen. So you get the zealots whose voices are amplified by the, uh, you know, by the internet, of course, always as being the ones who are setting the tone of debate. And I think really that, you know, people like Trump, uh, they stoke it up uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's beneficial to them. And I think that the, the Republicans have always done this though. They've always sort of referred to the people that they didn't like as communists. Uh, it just seems that, you know, whenever we get to periods of economic and, you know, social crisis, that the, 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 the sort of heightening of rhetoric gets to fever pitch and seems to be much more like much worse than it ever has been. But I, I do agree that there was like a more distrust. In fact, I think they've done some polls recently. That's like at the height of like, uh, when the X files was popular and when <laughs> it's not even a joke, like in the nineties, it was really like nobody trusts the government 
everyone thought the government was up to some shady shit. Because it was. Um, well, they knew the government was up yeah. to some shady shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like after 9-11, that sort of, you know, distaste for government and like lack of trust in government sort of wasn't something that people talked about anymore. I, th- I think that they still distrust the government, but now it's just like, well, I've got, you've got to support the, 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 the candidate of my choice because otherwise it's bar- barbarism that we're descending into. I, I think, I, think I, I partially agree with that last part. I think that people distrust the other, the opposition of their candidate. Yeah. But, the, but like I have seen, you know, living in Los Angeles and, and just sort of being around the, the folks that I, I tend to work with and, live in, and engage with, there's largely most people are liberal to leftist. And I have seen friendships destroyed. I've seen people lose their, I mean, literally get their brains broken in the debate in this last election between Biden and Trump, right? Whereas if you're a Trump supporter, you're feverishly have a, a zealot like belief in everything that he says to the point, as Ophelia uh, alluded to, that, that if you told someone who was a Trump supporter, the liberals are making are taking babies and making a paste out of them to give them eternal life or some weird nonsense like that. They believe it at least a, at least a section. Oh, no, of they, them oh it's a thing. They, that's what they think. Yeah, it's already yeah. a thing. <laughs> Adrenochrome harvesting from children. Yes. Yeah. That's Someone's what they been think watching is going on. Too much bloody. What what movie was that on? Bloody Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. They get high off it. Yeah, Solid green. <laughs> but. But like conversely, if you if you even remotely, I think Chris, I think you shared this this meme. If you like even remotely offer a a reasonable criticism of Biden, you get you get you get all the Biden bros rushing out to jump in front of the bullet and tell you why you're wrong, even though you, they started paying attention to politics about ten months ago. You know. Yeah. And 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 at the at the most surface of levels, right? Yeah. It, you're yeah absolutely like. I, I think I understand the reasoning, though I don't necessarily agree with it. That you shouldn't, you shouldn't criticize Biden during the election because you're getting giving fodder to the Trump people, whatever. Um, I, I don't agree with that. I think that like if there is a quote unquote chance of us pushing him to the left, that's going to happen during the electoral process. So hearing criticisms of his shitty policies should, you know, if, if things work the way that they, they would, they, they would in like a perfect world where, you know, you hear the, the cries of the people and it causes you to change your mind, then criticism during the electoral process seems like the best place to do it. So to my mind anyway, but right. now that the election is over and Biden is picking like an incredibly right wing cabinet, as far as Democrats are concerned, uh, and sort of just, yeah, I mean, doing what he, what, we, what he was always going to do anyway. It's just being incredibly milk toast at best and right wing at worst, you know. We're still not supposed to criticize him. <laughs> right. Because why? He's I don't know. the blue guy. It's fine. Everything's great now. Yeah. man gone. Well, I think, what it, I think what it stems from is a fundamental lack of um, contentment with, within oneself. And so we're searching for something to put our faith in, be it, be it making science an ism or making politics an ism, I guess it always was, but making these political figures cult of personalities, um, you know, which America has a long standing relationship with, uh, 
not in Australia though, right? In Australia, if you don't like someone, you just vote them the hell out like, oh, whenever you I've want. Seen, I've seen prime ministers of Australia been booted, I reckon probably four or five times, like in my lifetime, like as an adult. Right. Yeah, like, parliamentarism is much more democratic than the one. Yeah, it's like we, and, and that's like the interesting thing that I do find about a, a vast majority of, of Americans is that this falsified sense of freedom that everybody has. It's like, oh, but we're free. We get to keep our guns. Like, yeah, it's like, but you don't, you're not afforded like a lot of basic human rights, but like we healthcare. Have, we have freedom we, toast. We can have your guns. <laughs> and if I don't hold my gun to the sky, the magical flag won't freedom. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's really interesting to me that everyone's like, oh, we're, but we're free. We get to, you know, do and say what we want and then whatever I had, I had somebody say to me on Facebook once he was an American. I think he was from somewhere like Tennessee, but <laughs> um, he, which, uh, there was a conversation about gun laws mm-hmm. and he said to me, that's the exact comment I would expect from somebody who let their government take their guns away. It's like, cool, but our kids aren't shooting each other at schools. We haven't had a mass shooting since 1994. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting when we, when uh, when you talk when people talk about we're living in the best of times, you hear this often, especially from from it seems like a, a, a specifically like a very neoliberal perspective that we're living in the greatest of times because of we have three D printers and we have um, smartphones and whatever else. I, when I look around, I mean, again, let's just look at twenty twenty as fucking a, nightmare dystopia. Oh. It's a hellscape. We have. We we have we still I mean I'm not, this is like a, not a new thing we still have human right violations left and right and and I think the only massive change is that it's just so blatant and there's no regard for even trying to hide the atrocities afforded upon um, in particular people of color but but really people of poverty more specifically mm. um, we have a a governmental system here in America that has completely failed its small businesses and its home, you know, individual homes, forcing people back. I mean, I, I know people get mad at like, you know, people throwing parties and what have you, but truly, if you want to look at the real super spreaders, it's the Walmarts, it's the targets, it's your grocery store. It's, it's the mall being open. It's people going to work. Exactly. Because our, the systems that we are meant to believe in have failed us. Technology has, given us lots of uh, shit that we don't need with that we bought with money we don't have and has left us empty. I think that we've come to a year where the distractions that were provided for us to keep us pretty much in line, the bars, the clubs, the parties, the movie theaters, um, things of that nature, they've fallen away. And so what it's left us is very, it's very naked, you know, very exposed and 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 it's caused an entire crisis of faith amongst people that I see on all levels. Depending, and no matter where you you live, because you know I know it's easy to make jokes about the Tennessees and the Georgias and the Texases where Christopher and I are from. But you know what? The fucking L.A. is no is no prize winner either. I know I fucked. You know, you know the <laughs> the, the the coast, the quote unquote big cities, the metropolises, they're just as damned as everywhere else. I mean, maybe more so, in fact. So. We're at a real, I think, you know, I, I, I know people, so it's, this is sort of over, overstated that 2020 is like the worst year ever. I think it is, but I think for, for a lot of different reasons than most mm. people think, not because 
I can't go to the bar or whatever, but because I think it's really exposed that the emperor had no clothes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's proof as well that like the government is definitely not looking after the people as much as they would like lead you to believe like what, what are the two main causes as far as the spreading one people are going to work because they have to, they have right. to live. Okay. So that's, that's probably the main way that it's spreading. Um, yeah. And two, people aren't going to the doctors because they can't afford it. Yeah. And there's, there's not adequate testing either. Yeah, that's right. So I know in California testing is free, but I think it was you, Christopher, that was saying that it's not free in Texas. Okay. There are, there is free testing in Texas, but it's a very convoluted process. And it, yeah, um, there are some there. Okay. So there are some free testing centers and I haven't been able to find the state funded ones. They're generally municipally funded. And like there's free testing in my town because of the college. So I can go get free testing. Right. So but I know a lot of people, but that, that's, um, that's not the rapid response tested, right? Testing. That's you, you go in, you get tested, you get results in three to five days, something like that. It's a PCR test. That's the most right. reliable one. Right. And the, the place that's where most of the spreading is being done is people who are going to work because they can't wait three to five days to see if they were exposed. Mm-hmm to see if they got, you know, if they caught it because they'll lose their job. So they just go. If the, if, uh, if the rapid testing was free as well, which it's not, it's very expensive. Um, then these people would be like, okay, well I have to not go to work now instead of gambling their lives and other people's lives. But the, the problem is also that those rapid tests are, are very unreliable. They are right. But I mean, it's just like, if you're not going to give pay people to stay home, Right. Then you've got to do free rapid testing also. Right. So this brings me back to like what I was saying before about people saying, oh, but freedom, we're the most free country in the world. And, you know, me getting abused because our government, we let them take our guns away. But again, we have freedom toast. You're forgetting that part. <sighs> yeah. And freedom, freedom fries. fries. What, are you, um, what are you talking about? Oh. You don't remember? Do you not remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like nine after 9-11 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in Australia. You're dating yourself here. Andrew. I'm old. <laughs> so in Australia, um, all COVID testing was free countrywide. Um they, the government gave every single employer $1,700 a fortnight for every single employee to keep them employed, even if they shut. So basically everybody kept getting paid, even if you're a casual employee. So if you're someone that went to college or whatever, and you only worked one day a week, you still got $1,700 a fortnight as part of that COVID relief. Wow. Right. Um, we got one check for $1,500. Sorry? We got one check for $1,500. <laughs> I didn't even get it. I never got that. Still. Yeah, that's that's absolutely crazy. And then, you know, they they closed all the borders, they shut everything up and people that couldn't work got paid. Everyone on welfare got an extra five hundred dollars a fortnight plus a seven hundred and fifty dollar bonus. But they took our guns away, so we're not free. Yeah. You know? And so, if you have to go to the if you have to go to, you know, the hospital and you end up in the ICU on a you know, ventilator, that's still free. You still don't pay for that to go to so, hospital. Do you remember David Cross, the comedian? Yeah. Yeah, he had this bit where he was talking about how it's like, oh, so they say that the Muslims hate our freedom, which whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. <laughs> what does that even just, mean? Yeah, he was just like, <laughs> he was like, well, I hate our freedom. Have you seen what the fuck we've done with it? <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think to answer the first question, where are we at? We're at rock bottom. We're at a place, I mean, 
I, you, I you should, would I should, think, I should, but I, I think should caveat gets... that. <laughs> no, don't say that. We're at a very <laughs> low point, societally speaking. We're at a very, very low point, and the things that we were meant to put our faith in, we don't. So then the follow-up is, where do we go from here? It, it, what do we so that things don't get worse? If we could, I, I know for some of us that's going to be very difficult, myself included, to put on our optimist hat. But but where? How do we rebuild this? How do we at least try to push against the 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 rapidly rolling boulder that's about to crush humanity out of existence? Uh, and and does part of that um, does that part of that include looking for new things to provide fulfillment. And is that why we're seeing the rise of, you know, especially neo-paganism and, and to a lesser degree, like, which I guess sort of was an offshoot of like new thought and new ageism and things of that nature. Like, are we, do we need to go look back at another time because this current wave of belief seems to have left us in the cold? I mean, I think you'll find at any point in history, you know, especially between like the 50s and 70s, um, that's sort of when you've seen new religions and even as far as to say like cults, like when all these cults started. Bring during, back the cults. During these big periods of like war and poverty and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And I think we're headed towards a, a new rollover, sort of, so to speak. So society is going to shed its skin and, and start something new in, in a sense. Because you are seeing a lot of people seeking out new religions. Seek, the amount of people that I've seen on Instagram that are now into, you know, just something small like tarot sure. is crazy. Like, because they're trying to find fulfillment in something else because they can't go outside and, and, you know, take sassy Instagram photos now. Like they can't. Well, I didn't even know this was such a big deal. I saw an article that, that talked about what a big deal it was that um, AOC revealed her sign. Did you, did oh, guys, I saw that. Did yeah. you guys read that? Mm-hmm. Like someone mm-hmm. asked her. On a, I didn't read it, but I heard about it. Yeah. Someone asked her on like a live chat what her size, her uh, sign was. And she said it and it was like a big to do because mm-hmm. politicians aren't supposed to talk about things of that nature. But for a lot of mm-hmm. people, they have turned towards divination, uh, in particular tarot or, or other Oracle decks and um, astrology and things of that nature as a way of defining themselves. And Christine, as someone who professionally is a tarot reader, like, have you seen that increase in in the last year in particular, mm. but not, you know, four to five years? Four to five years, yeah. I was going to say this last year. I feel like everything has been kind of like snowballing into this year. Um, but yes, I've seen a huge increase in interest in tarot. But not, and not just, people don't, it's not like people even want to get tarot readings as much anymore. People want to be their own like spiritual masters now they want like they want that in their lives like in their routines not just like you know once a year once a month so yeah i have seen that um from what i've noticed just from people i know they um yeah they want to be able to take some sort of control over their lives and they feel like they can do that by with their spirituality and that that goes from people that I know that are like neo-pagans to people that I know that are, uh, you know, getting back into going to church to people that I know that are like just really 
taking on any kind of trapping of occultism that they possibly can, like dabbling here and there and everywhere with whatever. But everybody's into astrology. Well, I, I, I find it interesting that when, you know, when Nietzsche, or was, was it uh, Nietzsche that said God is dead? Well, Nietzsche, Nietzsche, right? Nietzsche is the one who's famous for saying it, right. but he's not, the, he's not the first person to, to <laughs> posit that either, though. Well, it feels like coming out of that, the idea being that once people realize that the traditional idea of God no longer ex- could, could coexist with the rising scientific sort of um, new thought that was coming in, and in particular psychoanalysis and um, all the other scientific breakthroughs that were happening around that time period, he predicted that we were going to enter into an age of nihilism if we didn't find something else to substitute that, right? I believe he called it the power of will, which, I, and again, I know when people mention Nietzsche, that people start thinking you're going to some weird right, right-wing territory, which I'm definitely not. But I, I think that, that there is some, like one of the things that I've always responded to with that, especially as a Thelemite, is that, at the, in the absence of the traditional methods, in particular the, the Judeo-Christian methods that we were all, for the most part, I believe, raised in, if there's not something that is adequate to replace that, um, that you do fall into nihilism. And I think that uh, you could look at the rampant consumerism and materialism as a byproduct of that. And I think that when we talk about, like, you know, Christine, you mentioned, like, people want to be their own spiritual masters. Um, I wonder if it's so much that they want to as, 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 as much as they need to just to survive this, mm-hmm. this hardships, especially this year, that, that you know, where, where people are just year after year getting worse and worse and find themselves in a worse financial state and spiritual state. I, I, I wonder if it's, it's a necessity at this point. I, it is. I was just about to say that. I think it's almost going to be made a necessity to um, – for many people. In fact, like I was, this made me think about another conversation I was having with someone um, about, about drug use. And it kind of links to like how we were talking about um, the trap of, I want to say the trap of materialism, but uh, even though I'm all for making money and uh, like manifesting big bucks. So I don't, uh, you know, I can be quite materialistic, but um but that emphasis on materialism um, is is fading a little bit. And I was uh, a friend and I discovered the other day that with a certain amount of breath work, you can get this uh, like after a half hour, you can get this high that is very similar to that of many other very like intense drugs. And we got a bit teary-eyed because we were thinking about all these people in LA that are out there beneath freeways, like, because they've poured all this money into this, like, glamorized lifestyle and drugs and, you know, have become addicts when, you know, how much of that could have been prevented with, like, breath work, you know? (laughs) Like, I mean, (laughs) and I think that now the situation is, is triggering people to think like, okay, well, I need to create, like, I, I need to create something for myself. I need to create this, like, m- more highs for myself that aren't necessarily, like, dependent on how much money I make or, you know, who else is around me. Like, I need to do it for myself. So I think, I think it will become necessary for a lot of people. 
um, oh. because without that, life is a bit dull. <laughs> and Ophelia, you have a very particular individualistic spirit in in your philosophy. Where, like, especially as as a relatively newcomer to what's happening in America right now, uh, but also based on your own ex- experience, like from your perspective and your specific like philosophical beliefs, like do you believe that like people need to be their own God, so to speak? Well, I mean, that's sort of, <laughs> that's sort of the, the basis of like Levain Satanism pretty much is that you, you are the master of your own destiny, everything that happens, you know, in your life, like you have complete control over yourself and, and whatnot. And there is like a small amount of like, I guess, you know, self-worship that comes with that as well. Like you have to, I guess, manifest things if you want them to happen or not happen. And, you know, you can't put your blind faith in like, you know, some, Anything for that <laughs> some sky daddy is going to come down and you know make shit go away. Like, I like know. to, pre- I like to refer to him as sky zaddy. Sky zaddy. <laughs> yes. Which is a higher <laughs> level of daddyism. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, sky zaddy then. <laughs> You're supposed to speak into something that I feel like is very necessary and, and something that I experienced. So, so my, you know, my, I was raised Catholic, and um, when I was, I don't know, maybe 16 or so, 14, my mom no longer sort of made me go to church. There was there were aspects of the Catholic church that I loved and still love. Um, it's basically ritualistic magic in, in many regards. Um, yeah, dog, that's theurgy. Yeah, Every time you go to Mass, you're witnessing theurgy. <laughs> yeah, it's necromancy. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, you know... Uh, I was a kid and I was being forced to do something and I didn't care for it. Um, so then I decided I would go to like a non-denomination church or whatever, Church of Christ. And, it's Christianity um, without all the cool stuff, you mean? Yeah, basically with all the cool stuff and like lamer songs. It's and like diet Christian. Talk about a cargo cult. Yeah, um, and And for a moment, just because it was the change, you know, just because it was like it was uh, uh, something different, there was like that initial charge that I got. Uh, but it didn't last long, and and once again, it left it left me feeling wanting, and so for the next man, I mean, honestly, nearly nearly twenty years, I wandered trying to find something else to really find fulfillment in, and and um, that might have been dabbling in Buddhism, it would dabble in neo paganism, um, certainly, I think it put a lot of stock in, into politics. Um, God knows I have been known to put way too much time arguing with people over the internet because I just found some form of fulfillment <laughs> in this, in this, in this ever fleeting idea that I could change someone's mind. And it really, you know, it was, a, it's a slow, as I think is the case with all things, it was a slow sort of progress. But when I discovered ceremonial magic right before about a year ago, like right before the pandemic, um, from, from specifically Damien Eccles, because it's, that was a, a, criminal case that I had followed since I was a teenager. And so I was very familiar with him as a person from that perspective. It, it opened a door to me in which I felt that I was able to attain my own personal contentment. Um, I, maybe contentment is the wrong word because you should never feel content. You should always be searching that. And I certainly, you know, uh, uh, sort of a tenet of Aleister Crowley would be, you know, do as thy will, finding your true will. And that doesn't mean do whatever you want, which I think is the way most people misinterpret it. But finding your true purpose, finding the thing that you were meant to do, and, and maybe that thing changes over time even, but, but answering 
your true calling within. I get this is a little bit to what you're saying as well um, about like being your own God. And in that, once the, once the methodology for finding that was, was open to me, then for me personally, I felt like I was able to exercise a lot of demons that I carried on for years. Right. And, and got to a point where for, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to undermine the hardship that a lot of people have gone through um, during the pandemic. And certainly I have to acknowledge upfront part of me is able to find this because I am uh, monetarily doing well off enough. You know, most people are not that fortunate. And so I think it's worth noting that it's really hard to find spiritual contentment when you're trying to eat. You know, there's nothing wrong with stuff and things and enjoyment and luxury. I think what it really is though, is we like, we look for things that provide us a path so that we can not struggle to exist and therefore allow us the pursuits that we as humans were meant to have. And for me, you know, the readings of Astro Crowley and Damien Eccles and other ceremonial magicians has provided me that and allowed me to reconnect on a deeper level to the universe around me. And which has largely allowed me to feel, you know, there's been moments that are still overwhelming, but it's, it's provided me a path that, that has made my life much easier during this time than I think most people have. And again, I, not any one of us shares the same spiritual belief, but I, I wonder if, if we're going to start having the discussion about what we do from this so that we don't just keep sliding further and further into, um, into the ether, if it's not trying to find some sort of personal connection with divinity. It's interesting. Uh, that's actually really interesting. It, it reminded me of a huge shift that I've been through during quarantine. I mean, uh, maybe over the past few years, actually, but um, I'm always careful to talk about money when I'm talking about spirituality, because I think that there are a lot of people that are like, well, if you have, if you're truly spiritual, then you don't, you know, then you don't need anything. Um, and I don't know if I agree with that. But at the same time, I've noticed that this year, you know, um, the more I've, I've gone, gotten pretty deep into my spiritual studies compared to previous years. And the deeper I go, and the better I feel, the more the work I've, I do, um, the more minimalistic my life becomes overall, and the, the less attached I feel to the material world. Like, I still want the freedom that money can give me. But it's interesting that and it's another reason why this should be a necessity in society. Um, the more magic I do and rituals, you know, I practice and all that, like the less I need um, to be happy, you know, as far as everything that's outside of myself. So how <laughs> can we, you know, help other people access that is the bigger issue for sure. Well, what you know, the, especially when people are in, in survival mode, you know, Sure, 100%. And one of the things that I think is, you know, it's very, it's very fine to be optimistic that, um, or, or to sort of broadly say magic is the way, right. Mm -hmm. And because everything becomes corrupted over time, and especially as it becomes more mainstream. And I think we see that uh, there was another article that was talking about how Sephora 
was selling magic kits. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. They're $47. <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a, a clear-cut example of the, the society of the spectacle, the spectacle like taking something that is for many people a very deeply personal practice and make it a, making it a commodity and selling it at a profit, you know, it's, which is something that you don't see in, in more sort of mainstream beliefs, I guess. I mean, maybe you do, maybe I'm, I just don't see it, but I mean, pure flicks exist. You don't really need to. I mean, like there's Christian bookstores everywhere. So yeah. you can always go there. That's true. <laughs> On top of the fact that they sell prayer candles at, at the grocery store. That's here. true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Maybe yeah. see that here too. Yeah. I also sell them at the 99 cent store. <laughs> I've got a bunch of them actually. Hey, great. So, so Chris, like from a historical standpoint, is this possible? Is it possible to sort of hold against the tide with an introduction of, of esoteric beliefs or, or, at, or at best, can we just hope to maybe um, ease our suffering as we, we further go down into a hellscape of, of uh, whatever this world that we've created? Well, that's, I think part of the problem with, um, individual spiritual beliefs is that's what they are is individual and um, ge- people are generally wrapped up in the idea of their own practice and not necessarily in you know any kind of collective process so like the the idea that if we all just become more spiritual and you know, get more in touch with the universe around us that that could eventually aggregate to a better world I think we're going to be waiting uh, waiting for that to happen while we drown in the rising acid oceans, you know? So like recycling. <laughs> well, <laughs> like recycling or like, you know, driving, <laughs> like driving a, one of the good cars or some of the, one of the bad cars or you know, whatever, yeah. whatever individual solutions that are given to us. I don't think that, you know, becoming spiritual, spiritually in touch with, you know, the universe or whatever it is that you believe in God, uh, what be, whatever it is that, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think it's a good thing and it can help fortify people for what it is they need to do, which is actually change the material conditions that are causing the world to go to hell currently. Right. And um, I don't think that, um, I don't think that any kind of ideology is just going to, to, to fix things that way. I think that it's going to have to be people on the ground changing the material conditions. I think that, like we've we've had there's no there's no real historical examples like we can look to unless we want to look to the 1960s to illustrate how much of a huge failure that is mm-hmm. right i mean i think that with the 1960s we had the introduction of atomized individualism as political activism right right and i think that when it comes to like people's own individual spiritual practices it's just Sort of another thing like that. If that's what you're counting on to change the world, I think you're going to be going to have a bad time. <laughs> so then, so then that leads me to my next question: what What role should it have? Like, does it need to play a role? What do we need? If If what we're at is, and I I kind of believe this, we need to sort of tear things down and and really start from scratch in many regards. I think fundamentally the entire system is flawed, and at very minimum riddled with uh, termites. You know, the foundation is cracked and uh, mudslides are coming. What role does occultism play in that revolution of society, if, uh, if any? 
should it be incorporated into activism? It seems like it seems like part of what I see when I when I see, I mean again, not that I want to use Twitter as a, a barometer for society because only seven percent of Americans are actively on Twitter and and of those you it's know the dregs of America. It's it's just you know it's it's a it's a vocal minor a, a vocal minority no matter what side of whatever ism you believe in. But if I were to use that as a, as a gauge, it seems like a lot of young folks uh, who are active in, in social reform um, tend to have, have co-opted occultist beliefs as part of their own. There's a lot of, you know, there was a, was it real recently? I feel like there was like a, a hex on Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah you know like a, multiple <laughs> it, was, it was the whole thing <laughs> yeah you see you've seen a lot of uh when people protest a lot of you see a lot of, like witches against trump and you know witches against fascism mm-hmm. and things of that nature and you see that you see a lot of that and not and i maybe that started in the sort of ma goth phase or the ma witch phase you know um when the kill stars say that that didn't work though i mean trump's having a bad time right now <laughs> that's a good point maybe it didn't work. <laughs> The like, problem is, like Twitter, is they but... should have hexed capitalism instead of just Trump. Yeah, right? right? It's not too late. <laughs> well, that, well, maybe that's, that, that's, you know, obviously we're joking, but maybe there is a part of that. Maybe there needs to be, you know, because what I've seen from a political standpoint is that even what is known as socialism or communism or, or being a leftist has been co-opted by neoliberals who want to put roses on their Twitter bios or in their turtle handers, and and it doesn't. They don't really expose the, the beliefs. Um, and I, I'm super aged myself. I know I'm like the guy who's saying like, socialism's first album was better, and the new stuff sucks. Like I, I totally get that I sound like that. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. Yeah, there's too many of them. <laughs> but but I do kind Look, of. Look, man, think... you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I live with him every day. But I I, I do wonder if even that like because because like. You know, I think, Chris, when we were in college, we, like, had dinner back when it was safe to have dinner with folks. Remember um, that? With, with, cool. the, with the socialist, can, what was it? socialist Party of America's presidential candidate in 2000? Yeah, in 2000, yeah. You know, back then, it was super taboo. Yeah. To, to, I mean, I remember my, I had, a, I had a, a book that Chris gave me on on communism i don't know i don't know if it was a, it was like the beginner's guide to communism or something like that it was like four books it yeah. was like the communist manifesto it was like an introduction to the theory of karl marx it was terrorizing the neighborhood by noam chomsky and then something else i think it might have been like uh the like marx's capital like an illustrated marx's capital explanation or something like that Right. Yeah, and, and, I, and I yeah, I know. Yeah, and my, and, and my mom freaked out when she found it, <laughs> and, oh, and nice. made me. I felt like Han Solo, like dumping like the spice, you know, on the on the run that I got him in trouble with Java. Like, I, she made me in so like, Java. Uh, yeah, <laughs> guess. In this, in this, in this, no, in this, no, 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 no. I promise you, I'm gonna get you those books back someday. Um, I just got hemmed in. It happens to everyone. It's okay. I've replaced the ones I wanted. <laughs> but I, you know, I had to toss the books. Like my mom freaked out. I mean, she was bawling, you know, she's oh, super God. crying. Like she's, she was more upset about that than when she realized I wasn't a Christian anymore. <laughs> but, but back then, like the idea that her son could be a communist or a socialist 
freaked your, I mean, had a, she had a mental breakdown in the same way that people have, you see people having mental breakdowns now over the current political climate. Um, now it's, it's something, especially with the rise of Bernie, it's, it's, it's far more fashionable um, to call yourself a socialist or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, sub it's, it's almost like metal. It's got so many sub degrees within it that it's hard to know like, what your actual beliefs are. I've seen libertarian socialists. I've seen democratic socialists. I've seen anarcho socialists. I've seen whatever. It's all, it's all across the board. Neoliberal socialists. I think I saw once trying to turn, change the DNC from inside. What? Yeah. It's weird, <laughs> man. Um, uh. I just wonder if we need a, a, a completely fresh start. And I wonder if part of that, part of that rebuilding of, Social ideology should incorporate some aspects of occultism that can be useful for one um, resisting and rejecting the trappings of late stage capitalism. So, r- real quick, just before we get into this like point that you're trying to make or the, into this topic that you're trying to discuss, yes, you, I, I did this to my mom one time talking about the pentagram, and she got like upset with me for. I don't remember even what it was. And then I sent her the Christian pentagram, which is from the middle ages, right? What represents the five wounds of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I mean, and like, if, if if you know anything about like, you know, Western occultism, all of the modern occultist beliefs, including like Philema and especially the church of Satan, which just like reverses the Catholic mass. Right. But like all of the rituals of occultism, are based in Christianity, including neo-paganism, because they basically just used, they're like, we don't know what a neo-pagan rubric was like, so we'll just use like the Catholic one and we'll make it pagan, you know? And uh, in Freemasonry, which ended up being the basis for a lot of- Most of these things. Yeah, a lot of magical practice. It's just based off of uh, morality plays from the Middle Ages that were based on Christian themes. So it's like, it's, it's really funny that, that people are so scared, like Christians specifically are so scared of the occult when about 99.99999% of the practitioners of occultism in the history of the world have been Christians. Well, and you could, really certainly, funny. You could certainly make an argument um, that the Bible is the greatest book ever written on magic oh, hell yeah. from yeah. a certain perspective. And you start to decode it from the perspective of um, astro- astronomy and um, you know, the equinoxes and constellation there's a there's a there's a line in it where it talks about like you know uh, we're, we're, the the dragon's tail will wipe one third of this of the angels down to earth or something to that effect or from the heavens and, and really what it's actually referring to is the constellation of draco and various constellations and stars right so a lot of a lot of what we what we have now over time come to believe as you know, sky zaddy and, and angels and things of that sky nature. Zaddy. Those those were really ancient ways of looking at the stars and the universe um, in the more ancient Sumerian perspective. A lot of those Catholic and early Christian beliefs or, or sects co-opted a lot of paganism into their rituals. Like right? we're about to celebrate Christmas, and uh, Christmas is really just sort of a co-opted. You know, uh, it's very seems like it's really co-opting Yule, really. Well. In the north, it co-opted Yule, but originally it like sort of was around the time of Saturnalia, and then of course the winter solstice. 
Right. So yeah, but Yule is the winter solstice, and a lot of the a lot of the trappings that we have, like the Christmas tree and stuff like that, and which is awesome stuff. So. Yeah, I'm I'm, in, mm-hmm. I'm into all that. I think it's all real great. But are you familiar with the 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 trick that Jacob did in the Old Testament to be able to get more cattle or or more livestock from his from his uh, father? Well, what he did was he like he did some magic. He did a bunch of magic rituals with hazel rods. <laughs> and turned the, turned the livestock the color that his father said that he could have whenever they were born. So he basically did a, a magic ritual in order to get the livestock that he wanted and have those be granted to him by his father-in-law. I'm sure I've cast that spell in like World of Warcraft one time. <laughs> you should do that more. But it, it's all throughout the Bible, like stuff like that, like little magical rituals. We should uh, we should start finding those and like every you know feature those in upcoming episodes. Yeah. Magi- Bible Magic rituals, Bible. yeah, like yeah. <laughs> rich, like yeah, biblical rituals. Yeah, well, I mean, like there, there's a book that I'm I'm looking forward to reading. It's called Papal Magic. It's mm-hmm. all about like the popes as practitioners of magic uh, it's going to be super interesting i mean i think wow. I, I, like i think like my introduction when i would really start to understand the bible in a, in a meaningful way was i actually went to a uh, uh my first year in, in uni i was at a, a church of christ college in texas and in, in like you know in the midwest of texas or whatever northwest of texas and um but i happened to have a teacher who who tried to i mean he's still considered himself a Christian, but he, he tried to teach us the gospels with historical, um, historical information woven in. So for example, when he would, he, when he would talk about why hell was described the way hell was described, he would say that, you know, obviously if you're trying to explain something that, that has no visual physical uh context for people to understand you, you use the the closest assimilation to that and outside uh i guess i was outside of jerusalem there would have been a giant valley of fire where they disposed of trash right it was just constantly burning because they were burning their trash yeah trash pit yeah if you're trying to describe something really terrible to folks that can't comprehend this 4d chess you use something that they would understand would be really painful if they had to live in forever I think that's like a really interesting point about mainstream religion as a whole is a lot of it is super fear based. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas you look at a lot of other religions that are around that focus on be a good person, do good things, make, you know, be the change you want to see, like all this stuff. Whereas I feel like Christianity and things like that are based in, if you do not do this and if you do not believe in this, you are going to go to hell and you're going to, burn in eternal fire for you know all of eternity so you better do it so it's like you know that's i mean that's fucking terrifying like for a child in school right right so well, like if i said to you like why did you follow christianity it'll either be because my mom said or because i didn't want to go to hell yeah for a good chunk of my life i'd say that's yeah. accurate so uh within christianity though especially within the the mainline protestant denominations and even within catholicism to a certain extent um the idea of the possibility of universal salvation is there. So mm. like they, they believe that like Jesus' sacrifice was good enough to atone for all the sins of the world. And it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if you accept it at all or not, that's forgiven too. And you get to go to heaven. That that's in a lot of like more liberal Protestantism. Right. And even to a certain extent in Catholicism. Uh, and it's not condemned by the church. Like 
some of the church believes that. In fact, I, I talked to this priest one time. He said that like, I believe that like all re- religions are a path to God. I just think the Catholic religion is gets you there a little bit faster. It's like a freeway. <laughs> it's the it's like the HOV lane. Yeah, it is. It's like the ex- <laughs> it's the express lane. So I mean, so the, while you are right that that's the way I grew up too was right. in in that like sort of believe in God or you go to hell kind of or not even believe in God because that's not good enough. Yeah, it is believe in our specific interpretation of of the bible or you pray in a particular church in a particular way and sing a particular hymn and read a particular book and in fact that's a that's the way a lot of catholic lay people still believe like my grandma Mm. whenever my mom and dad got married was because my mom had left the church before she met my dad my grandma was really worried that my dad was going to like lead her down the path to hell and i was like look like vatican ii says that other Christians are still valid and going to heaven. Like, why do you even believe that? But yeah, a lot of Catholics still think that way. Oh, if you're not Catholic, you're going to hell. It's like, yeah. your religion doesn't yeah. believe that, you know? <laughs> right. It's like, so I could be like the nicest, most best person in the world and absolutely do nothing wrong in my life. But if I'm not, <laughs> if I'm not Catholic, I'm going to hell. Well, what I find interesting <laughs> is that uh, to me, um, it, it makes sense as a, as a sort of an act of rebellion, be it teenage rebellion or later life rebellion, to reject the principles that you grew up with, if they, especially if they haven't served you or, or if you're trying to find your own path, you know, you destroy your past, then you create your own. But, but I mean, we haven't really lived. I don't feel like we've lived, although it's, it's stated often in the media that we've lived in a particularly Christian conservative world for a very long time. I mean, in my lifetime, we had eight years of Clinton, which was a pretty secular time in America. And then even when Bush came into office, it didn't feel like there was like this sort of domineering Christian conservativeness. I mean, it was, it was more based on um, security and nationalism and things of that nature. And, and I, again, I don't I mean, I don't really see Trump as a, as a, as a sort of voice for the Christian right, although they, they have, you know, largely pledged their allegiance to him. I mean, there's certain things like when we talk about like gay rights or we talk about um, abortion, you know, you, you often hear it used this idea that, you know, Christianity is sort of is a convenient talking point, but, but in our society, I, I don't think that we've lived under those, uh, under the impression of, of Christian belief or spe- specifically conservative Christian belief. So I find it interesting that the response, especially to Trump, has been this influx of, of moving towards, you know, neo-paganism, witchcraft, occultism. And so again, is it, is it, a, is it a, a reactionary response to four years of Trump and whatever that perception is? Is it a response to, you know, being promised something that didn't deliver or has yet to deliver? You know, is it an act of a rebellion or is it just a natural response to the conditions that we're living in? E, all of the above. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's what's interesting is like the evangelical church, which is the the basis for the quote unquote moral majority that was formed in like, you know, the 1980s and that whole <laughs> the Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and all those people. Jerry Falwell, who was like an advisor to to uh, to Bush junior and um you know where you get the whole idea of christian conservatism they're hemorrhaging members like crazy mm-hmm. they're the the church that that kind of christianity is shrinking um and the only other kind of the only kind of christianity that's even growing right now is like catholicism 
mm-hmm. because we have uh, lots of people that are immigrating to the United States that are Catholics. So the church is growing in that. And uh, people are leaving denominations that they see as just like ridiculous for ones that they see as slightly less ridiculous, which I think that um, within Catholicism, there is room for you to hold liberal or conservative beliefs. And that's the way it sort of lines up. Like there's basically two different churches within Catholicism. There's the the liberal Catholic church and there's the conservative Catholic church and they all hate each other like (laughs) their different denominations. But like, so it's interesting that while the Christian conservative evangelicalism is like hemorrhaging memberships, you see them glom onto Trump, right? right? Who is easily the least spiritual, least Christian president that the United States has ever had. I mean, at least openly. Yeah. At least openly. Right. He's openly flaunts the fact that he does not care about Christian values like the good ones or the ones that we would consider to be negative, you know, like he, he's not compassionate. He's not like, he, he doesn't care about other people at all. He's, he would never give, lay down his life for those that he loves. Right. <laughs> I mean, but so, but he's seen as a, a, a figure, like it was like uh, Darius, right. Was that who it was that the, that the, that, liberated Jerusalem and let the Jews return after being in captivity in Babylon, the, the king of the Persians. They see him as that type of figure. Oh, he's, right. not, mm-hmm. he's not a Christian or he's not a Jew in the, the sense of Darius. Um, was it Darius? I have to make sure. I can't be saying wrong shit. <laughs> but I get your point. It, it, even though it's easy, you could easily recognize that he doesn't espouse traditional Christian beliefs. He feels like he is the, the one to lead them back into power. Or, yeah. or their perceived idea of having been in power. And you'll hear Christians say, like, is like these conservative evangelicals say, like, isn't it great that God can use an imperfect vessel like Trump to do his will? And you're just like, oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but so then if, if we're not really under that impression, then what what is leading us, you know, the, the increase in occultist beliefs amongst young people? I think, I think it's our, our values for sure. Um, I, uh, and the way our values are changing, it, it kind of ties back to relationship psychology and how, um, you know, uh, as far as compatibility goes, values are everything. And if you can even not just like serious relationships, but like seduction, if you can link in tap into someone's values you can you have them you can have their heart you know body whatever and right now it's like right now we're like seeing like this like it's not even i hate even calling it politics it's like a war of values Mm. and so um a lot of these conservative values are dying out and you know younger people um are embracing different sets of values so um I think that the next few decades are going to be really, really tough as those, you know, newer, um, more liberal values continue to grow and, you know, kind of push out the old values. But um, is it an act yeah. of rebellion then? Is it is is sort of when we look at the the, the current. I mean, I don't want to paint too broad a brush because it's it's never one movement. But if you if you look at sort of social activism mm-hmm. and how 
a lot of that rise in occultism and neo-occultism and neo-paganism is within the members of it. And I think I, we haven't really touched on it, but I think part of it is a response to, a, you know, the, the, while I don't think there is a inherently a Christian conservative movement, I do think there's a, a general war on, on, um, or, or an attempt to reclaim dominance over women in America. And, uh, and, and I think that that could be, I mean, historically witchcraft in particular has been tied to misogyny and, mm-hmm. um, or at least the, the oppression of witchcraft rather. And so I think we, we shouldn't, understate that and that the role that that plays but i think also um is it is it part of it first off does counterculture even exist in any meaningful way and and is part of that if you're trying to be against the current wave of culture is part of that aligning yourself with values that were deemed taboo or um don't don't neatly mesh with uh modern consumerism I don't see it as much um, as a rebellion as I see it as more of like uh, empowerment that is like we're, we're like, I think we're starting to see the inherent and infinite value in everyone else. You know, we're starting to see everyone more equal. And because of that, everyone has the right to the same amount of like power and like feelings of empowerment. And so occultism is, uh, you know, a magical, you know, whatever magical path you choose is a way for people to, to access that. But I don't, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really, I don't get the rebellion feel um, in, in what's going on, but I'm curious about what everyone else thinks. I really see it as sort of an attempt to, find meaning in a society that has pretty much stripped meaning uh, from everything. Um, I would say that modernity has been thoroughly disenchanted by this point. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you look at the world around you and you just see a bunch of things that are animated by of scientific processes and um, animals which are brains that transmit instinct uh, as a speaking of animals you hear that (laughs) the cat's rebellion (laughs) yeah she heard me talking about animals and uh, (laughs) just just so you know i'm not talking about cats yeah Uh, no um no but it's just like there's nothing mystical nothing magical nothing uh, enchanted about the world anymore. Right. Um, we've explained away everything. So, um, and religion has lost, begin to begun to lose its appeal because of its connection to things that we hate. You know, sure. Um, we hate, you know, oppression, and religion has been been hand in hand with the oppressors, with the oppressors since the beginning of, uh, you know, of its of its existence, with notable exceptions. You know, like there's. Of course, a lot of the great movements for liberation in history were led by religious people, like the anti-slavery movement was led by Christians almost Mm -hmm. exclusively. And, you know, there's like the Catholic worker movement, which is against war and tries to feed the homeless and stuff like that, and Christian socialism. And, of course, I'm speaking from my perspective, which is, you know, the one that I've seen around me and studied as as a historian of Western uh, civilization and 
you know, I don't, I know that there are probably instances of this too, like the Buddhist monks that protested the Vietnam War and set themselves on fire. So, right. but you know, there are, there are people see the churches as being imperfect and are looking elsewhere for their spiritual beliefs and they're the place they can find meaning. I think that's what it, they're trying to reinsert a bit of enchantment back into their lives and into the way that they view the world. And I think that's probably what, that there's this, a deep malaise, like nothing means anything anymore and we can't really be hopeful about the future. So we've got to try to find some meaning in something and in steps the occult or whatever. And, and I, I, don't think, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's, you know. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean certainly for me, I, I, again, like I said earlier, I've, I've been able to reconnect with meaning and belief in life. And I think it's interesting, Chris, that you mentioned that um, Catholicism is on a rise um, because I, I have often felt that the poetry of life has been stripped away. We've replaced, yeah. we've replaced the things, you know, I think when people think of magic, they think that it's separate from science so that the, the two can't live in tandem with one another, that it's all, you know, especially because of the rise of the rise of new ageism and this idea that it's, it's all this sort of like a very, yeah, woo-woo stuff, and uh, which is not to be confused with woo-woo stuff, which I'm 100% for, but, <laughs> but, but um, I, I, you know, Crowley would say that, you know, uh, the, the role that magic plays is the, um, the goal of, uh, the, the method of science with the goal of religion. And, right. and I think that um, when the two became isolated from one another, when everything got stripped down to its most basic utilitarian terminology, and then, you know, as Americans in particular are prone to do, the, the terminology got more and more complex and more and more cold and dissonant from its meaning. There's a whole, George Carlin has an amazing bit on that, where he talks about the condition, which was at one point called shell shock, was later uh, over time diluted and cannibalized and and just inhumanely, like, almost like you're, you're injecting hormones into an animal to make it absurdly and grotesquely larger than it was meant to be to where it loses all meaning and all compassion, you know, um, post-traumatic stress disorder sounds like something very foreign. Shell shock sounds impactful. You can almost feel it. You can almost feel the, the bombs blowing up around you. And, and because as Americans, we're so prone to making, taking the poetry out of life is the best way I can describe it, that I can understand why, you know, when you look at like, what's the guy's name in Houston, Joel Austin? Yeah. Like the mega church dude. Like you look at that guy and you look at like, they've got those dopey bands playing really like milk toast music and all the mysticism and magic and wonder has been completely stripped out of it. You know, and it's just, it basically is like mob church. And the amount of money, pe- like in Jews that people pay, like to their churches is fucking insane. So for when I lived in Australia, I used to work in finance and I would obviously see a lot of people's bank statements and stuff. And you've got little old ladies that are on welfare that are paying like, you know, $80 a week to their church. Mm. Like, Jeez. you know, it's, <laughs> they're going broke. For spirituality. Well, it's it's yeah. drive-through religion, right? It's, it's mall church, and supersized Jesus. And again, as I stated sort of at the beginning <laughs> of the at the podcast, I feel like we're 
experience and if and if we didn't experience it prior COVID has certainly highlighted it and amplified it we are experiencing the lie that these things were meant to bring us some form of fulfillment and I, I think that stripping things away stripping the magic out of life I mean even like just thinking like not not to totally sound like old man yelling at clouds but how often do people go for walks? Well, we're in, a, in Los Angeles, I guess you're not allowed to right now, unless you're going to the mall. <laughs> you but, are allowed to exercise. But, you know, we get in our cars and we go on the freeways and we're completely isolated from one another. We, we're blasting music that's been selected for us largely. Um, and and we're just stuck in grid gridlock for hours on end, just going from our job to our bed before we wake up and start all over. And we're completely devoid of any personal fulfillment or artistic expression and nothing feels magical anymore. And there's no, I mean, there's no, I mean, literally how, when was the last time you heard a poem anywhere, you know, or anything along those lines, you know, Wordsmith you, street art in Los Angeles. Yeah. That's about it. Maybe. <laughs> and even street art has really been sort of swallowed up by the spectacle and, and is now like, you can go buy it at target. You can buy a Banksy. I'm sure if you go on target.com and, <laughs> And download a print of his and put up on your wall, and they're only upcharging it for fifty nine ninety nine. Um, I wonder, do we run the if if the I if part of the reaction to that is to gravitate towards occultism, which still you know with with ritual and with um, terminology brings back some of that poetry? Does it run the risk of just being swallowed up and sold at your local Sephora for nine ninety nine, and you can be your own? You can get your white sage stick and what crystals and whatever else. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Um, anything that has a marketability will be marketed. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, speaking of, um, <clears throat> I talk about disenchantment, right? And about how we've pretty much banished magic from the world. <laughs> But not really, because we still believe in magic. And by we, I mean the, the, the collective we. Right. Like, not the, the four of us, right? <clears throat> Although also the four of us. <laughs> yeah. The, but the magic and the enchantment that we as Americans specifically, but not, not just Americans, everybody in the world, is the magic of the market, right? Oh, we, God. We, Talk about have, being, believing in something that's not real. We have elevated <laughs> economics to like a kind of religion. And it's just insane to me. It's like, um, uh, I would say that not just economics, but <clears throat> our belief systems, we have like a religious belief in the, the, the sanctity of our systems, right? Like just look at constitutionalism in the United States, the way right. people talk about the founding fathers, like they're the prophets and the, the constitution, like it is the Bible and the free market, like it's this animated spirit that guides things and how you're not supposed to mess with it because, you know, you're not supposed to let it do its thing because if you just let it do its thing, everything's going to be okay. And to a less, to, to greater or lesser extent, everyone believes that, right? And I'm not saying it's a one-for-one one replacement for religion, but I think sure. that there is a religious belief that comes along with being one of these types of people. And uh, I think that uh, the, what made me think of this just now is I was looking at this, this article says that uh, iPhone 12 that is being released is a special edition one that has a piece 
of Steve's job, Steve Jobs' turtleneck embedded in the Apple logo. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to so, kill myself. So it's, it sells for $5,000. Wow. So Steve Jobs, he's like a saint to these people. Why? Because he's good at making money, right? So he right here would be a saint of this fucking cult of mammon, basically. Uh, And they've embedded a little piece of his sweater in the Apple logo so you could rub on it. Just like in the Catholic church, you can buy little relics of the saints like they'll sell a, a, a card of like a saint you know saint francis card that has touched a, a bone of saint francis so that right. you can like you know you can rub it and <laughs> oh my you know transfer some of that holiness onto you but here you go you've got that with steve jobs's turtleneck and and so it's and not this, a one-to-one replacement but it's <laughs> but it's close sometimes <laughs> And I think that, that that replacement is exactly what's led us to where we're at and why I think you do see people starting to move away from that, whether or not it's possible. To, I mean, I guess on a, certainly on a personal level, you can move away from it without it necessarily being co-opted. I mean, just because, you know, witchcraft and, and um, uh, occultism, and it's mostly witchcraft, I feel like. I think it's less less sort of like ceremonial magic, but it, even all that stuff, even as it starts to become commodified and and sold at your local retailer or your amazon of all places um you could certainly still i mean regardless of what happens in the greater world you can still hold it personal to you just like you could hold any belief personal to you um without without whatever corruption occurs to it on a widespread level but does it is it is there any world in which again if we're gonna if we're gonna try to hold off entropy is there any world in which that has to be included or is it just you know can it even coexist with with social resistance and and social change or are they are they two separate things that should never be commingled it always felt to me like spirituality didn't belong in political ideology i i don't know that 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 has really worked either the 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 separation you know between the two and it feels like it's led us down into weird, weird territories where, where, again, it's not Steve Jobs's turtleneck in the Apple logo, but there's like these weird banners that we, that we reach to grasp to, to fulfill belief because there's nothing else there provided to us. I would say that the only way to really be a, to allow people to recapture like a genuine spirituality and like to genuinely look at the world with enchantment again is to do away with the dominant ideology which is one of which is a very pecuniary ideology it's one that sees things and measures their wealth upon seeing them or their worth upon seeing them right we break down all of our interactions into you know uh into transactions essentially um, and the, the way that we look at nature, the way that we look at other human beings, it's, it's all transactional. It's all, um, our brains have been destroyed by pecuniary reason. You know, I mean, our brains have been destroyed by capitalism in my opinion. And I think that like capitalism has thoroughly profaned all that was once sacred. And I think that in order to, to get back to a place where we can, have genuine relationships with other people and genuine relationships to, you know, the gods, God, the universe, whatever. 
uh, we've force. got a the force, the force. whatever, right? <laughs> or uh, I, I don't know if you guys, did you see that article recently about how the universe is, uh, they, they have a theory that the universe is like a giant brain? Yes. 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 That's like the Spinoza's idea about God and about existence being a, th- uh, our existence being just a, a thought in the mind of God. Anyway, so uh, the the only way that we could recapture that is to completely change the way that we think about everything. And I think that mm-hmm. that would be getting rid of the ideology that makes us think about things the way we do now, which is capitalism. It's interesting because I, I see often within the scientific community this idea that we're a simulation, that reality is a simulation, right? Um, and, and to me, that's very, that gets married very easily with the idea that reality is a thought of God or the divine mm-hmm. source. Um, and you see it in other areas, right? You see like, that's a, like a Gnostic belief right there. You know? Yeah. You see like, we, there's other examples like um, a, a zoomed in microscopic look at a human eye and like a Nova or a star, right. Or a celestial being or um, a fingerprint in comparison to the rings of a, a piece of wood cut in half, right. And the similarities, and certainly within occultist beliefs, both in pagan, neo-paganism and I think in ceremonial magic as well, as above, so below, as within, so without. This idea that we're all interconnected is something that doesn't really, isn't really part of the fabric of our current society. And I think I agree with you, Christopher, 100%. I think the only way for us to move forward is to tear down the, the political system that we exist in as, as it exists now, not just the political, but the entire structure of society and look to rebuild it in a completely different manner because i don't think there is fixing it i think at this point we're sticking our finger in the dam and it's cracking and it's gonna overtake us maybe within this lifetime and if not certainly if we should have children in their lifetime and i think that there's no we might even be past the breaking point but i don't see another way and i wonder even if the idea of large super nations like america like the united states of america is even something that's a viable form of structure going forward. You know, maybe it is worth breaking it all down into smaller city states, you know, or localized <laughs> communities. Well, I don't think so, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I could probably go off on this subject for like several hours. <laughs> so, do you, so think, you think? Do you think that the way? I mean, not to get too in the in the mud with it, but like. Can we figure out a way to do this on a, on a more national-sized level? I mean, is that even feasible? I think we're going to have to. Um, I don't know if it's possible. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do moving forward, like politically, spiritually, whatever. I don't have any faith in all of the old methods of doing things anymore. Um, like I, if you would have asked me – you know, 15 years ago, what I thought I would have said, we need to get together a mass party of the working class and, uh, you know, try to take control and spread a revolution everywhere and, you know, try to institute the radical democracy of, of the working class for the world, you know? And I don't, I don't know how the fuck to do that. I, I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible right now. I, I, um, think, I think, I think what we might be doing now is, uh, carrying ideas of egalitarianism into the future where hopefully uh, after the climate apocalypse and we're all living in this like fucking Mad Max hellscape that we might be able to, we might be able to 
cobbled together some semblance of an egalitarian society and the wastelands. I don't know that there's answers either. I mean, it's, it's so tricky because even when you look at what passes for leftism in America currently, it's, it doesn't resemble anything that I would have ever believed in. Um, it's pretty obnoxious to be honest, but again, I'm old. So it could just be that I'm old and I don't, it's not, it's obnoxious. It's like, it's like, it's like leftist mumble core. I just don't understand it. You know, mumble rap. And um, I think that died. Thankfully. Did it? Did it? I don't know. See, I don't even I don't know. know. I don't even know what the current um, musical trends are. Cause music's pretty much dead and arts. Light, Songs about pussies. I think that's, oh, what yeah. they're into. that's what the kids are into these days. That's why we brought Lucy on screen. <laughs> she could give her perspective on that. <laughs> well represented but i I do think that at at very minimum as a as a simple survival technique i would certainly encourage anyone who listens to this podcast if you're not already give try looking into finding your own spiritual path because um I, i mean at very minimum that's the first step to at least your own sanity or your own ability to sustain and to endure the the avalanche of of hostilities that, that seems to get dumped on us year after year after year. So yeah. on that on that very positive note, <laughs> since we are coming gracefully to the end of 2020, I thought it would just be fun. What's what's the resolution? What are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to doing or being or introducing in this new year? I know it's all arbitrary, and and unfortunately, unlike what people may believe. When the calendar flips from 2020 to 2021, largely nothing will be absolved or different. But in the spirit of Christmas or Yule or whatever you believe in, what are you hoping for in this new in this new year? And we'll start with uh, we'll start with you, Christopher. What am I hoping for? Because resolutions, I don't know. I haven't even thought about this yet. I forgot that the, <laughs> this, this year is going to be over. But personally, I'm just hoping for like for myself sure well i mean okay for the world let's say i'm hoping fingers crossed that we don't fuck up covid any worse than we already have (laughs) i don't think we can (laughs) well there's still residual effects to be to be felt like like eviction evictions and mass homelessness and further plummeting of the economy, which I'm afraid is what's going to happen next. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that that doesn't happen. Um, You know what they say about hoping in one hand and the other thing that you can do. Um, But uh, so for the, for the world, I would like to see that not happen. Um, But for myself, you know, I'm in graduate school now um, and I would like to find some sort of daily spiritual practice and meditative practice that allows me to not be, I mean, cause I'm too busy now and I shouldn't be, yeah. I should make time for that. And I would like to find some sort of daily practice that helps me like just center myself if nothing else. Right. Um, not to find it, to establish it, but, uh, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm going to try for. On top of that, I, I want to like lose about 15 pounds. But you know. Oh, don't we all. <laughs> um, Christine, what about you? Um, well, for 
for the country, I would love in the new year to see the government step up a little bit and uh, help us out. Um, Don't expect that. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping for that, but I won't expect it. Um, so on a personal level, um, I think my I'm going to continue lingering in the realms of, of love and magic. And so um, I'm really hoping that I can... Uh, I mean, put myself out there a little bit more and help as many people as possible um, in their love lives, which starts with um, a lot of self-empowerment and uh, overhauling how we feel about ourselves, our self-esteem, which I think is actually at the root of like every issue in the world. Yeah. So if I can uh, like help anyone with that, then I would be so happy so um I don't know like I guess for me it's just doing the best that I can I guess to protect my family and myself <laughs> from everything that's that's going on um I think I think 2021 is going to be a year of sacrifice from everybody um from you know I guess the general public from the government it's what's going to have to happen to have any sort of semblance of normalcy for the next year like we were supposed to get married this year and we did get married we did get married but we were supposed to have a wedding yeah this november which never happened so i would really like to be able to do that next year (laughs) yeah well that's here's hoping um i I would like to go to that yes i'd like you to be able to travel (laughs) that so if i'm gonna be if i'm gonna put on my most optimistic santa hat for just a moment i'm hoping for an emp to hit the world and (laughs) knock out (laughs) <laughs> what I think is a, a, all, all facets of technology because I don't, I don't know how we start over otherwise. We're so, we're so beholden to the technological advances around us that I don't know how we move away from that into any other so- type of society without a, that occurring. So this will probably be the first and only um, online version of this podcast because after the, the electromagnetic course, pulse. Yes, thank you. Uh, once that hits, this will be distributed as a zine uh, that, I, that I made out of paper and uh, sent out via horseback Hand, or carrier pigeon or raven, you know, you know on those Smoke lines. signals. Smoke signals, yeah, exactly. Hell yeah, bring that back. Um, and potentially uh, starting a cult, maybe, just moving into the woods and wearing robes and things of that nature. Um, no, I think, I think I'm in line with a lot of what you're saying, Christopher. I mean, I... I have I have a regular ritual like I, I I try to do the lesser banishing ritual in the middle pillar every day. It doesn't it's been lately it's been a little bit more sporadic than I would like, but it's such a notable change when I do it. Um, I mean, and trying to implement magic in all aspects of my life, not just the sort of regular ceremonies, but you know when I drink, when I eat, when I every aspect of it, incorporating it. I mean, and it, it's so funny because for me little things when I'm not thinking about it, they, I notice the difference. I'm like, Oh, why don't I do this all the time? And I gave a great example. I was taking a walk once and um, I was listening to a live stream that Damien Eccles was doing. And he was, we were charging a sigil collectively over the internet. So I guess I shouldn't bash the internet so terribly because it does offer some wonderful things if you can find it. But part of that was the breath work, right? And to your point earlier, Christine, we were doing this breath work and, I was, I had walked like, I don't know, like six miles that day because I'm a nut and I was so tired and like my feet were aching 
And then as I started doing this breath work, sort of as a, as a, as a sort of a, um, how do you say a, um, not a symptom, but as a sort of a, uh, I don't know, an offshoot of what I was doing. I, my legs felt stronger and less sore. And I felt like I had this influx of energy that occurred in me. And, um, you know, it, it lasted the rest of the way home. That's Sophie has made an appearance. Sophie has entered the chat. <laughs> I hear. Sophie has a uh, hairball. And would like to do it so, but it's, it's, it's implementing magic in my, in every instance of my life on a, on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a, on a minute basis. I just find myself far more capable of enduring society, even in its, even in the, in the way that it exists now when it's a regular part of my life. And I would like for the world to hopefully uh, listen to this podcast every month where we talk about different topics and maybe gain just a small semblance of um, information or a hope or a perspective that maybe wasn't offered on in the usual channels and, and avenues that are, that information is currently being provided in. So that's my optimistic hope. I, I, I think that, I, I, I still want to believe that there is a collective way to change the world. I, and, and if at very least, I think it's incumbent upon everyone to strive for that and to never be content with the way things are now to find a way to constantly deepen your relationship with the universe and with this world that we're living in and the, and you know, the, the nature that exists beneath the concrete, you know, I think, uh, our friend, your brother, Chris, Jason would say the beach beneath the pavement. Or the yeah. Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, uh, it's, it's incumbent upon all of us to find the magic, the enchantment, the mysticism in every aspect of our life. And if it's through esoteric beliefs or occultism, then sweet, join the club because it's awesome. I like it. I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, if you find some other method to do that, then great. I'm happy for you. And at the end, that's all what we should be hoping for is for everyone to find some manner of bliss in their life of contentment because the world is clearly not structured or designed to provide that for us. So it's, it's up for us to find it ourselves. But I believe that whining is our cue to take Sophie on her <laughs> nightly walk. And I think that we have uh, shared this time with you. And I'm very happy that you joined us for this uh, couple hours or so that we've spent on this podcast. So once again, this will be a monthly round table. Uh, thank you again for listening to the culture shock podcast. I am Dave. This is Christopher, Ophelia and Christine. We thank you for joining us. And until next time, adios. Yeah.